Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text this 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time that really has our Lord challenging us. And a challenge if we are serious about our faith that we have to respond to. Okay, and so we'll certainly get into what that challenge is all about this evening. You know, I want to continue to thank all of you listeners out there who are tuning in, just not locally and and statewide by way of podcasts, but also nationally and internationally. I really do appreciate your uh, questions, your, your comments, your observations. It really does do a lot for me to hear from you. So, um, if you have a burning question about uh, the Christian and Catholic faith, please send me that question to j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com, or you can just go to my website at joeholcraft.org, hit the contact link button, and send your email on its way. You know, the last question I'd received was pretty straightforward. You know, Joe, there are so many distractions out there. What should I be focusing on? What aspect of the Catholic faith should I be thinking about? And my response to her was simple, and I share it with you. The person of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we overthink our questions, and it's a great question, because if it's on your heart to share, then it's a good question. But I just wonder if sometimes we overthink it. It is because there are so many distractions out there that we are all the more to be focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Remember what I said earlier this week, and I have certainly hit on it a number of times. The first time you see the name of Satan in the Hebrew, it literally means to distract, to divert, huh? Like throwing a a pebble in the middle of the road to divert us on the path where we are headed, huh? Because of this, we are to focus on the person of Jesus Christ and to declare him as Lord and Savior of our life each and every day and go deeper in our relationship with God in that prayer. And what we will find is what? Well, we will probably be less distracted, huh? So we need to sink deeper into our prayer life, that we might come to better understand where God is calling us, huh? We come to know Him so as to make Him known. Okay, that being said, let us jump into our gospel for today. If you have your Bibles out there, Turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not have anyone know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, And they were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, 
If any one would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, in today's gospel passage, it's worth noting that we have uh, the second of the passion predictions of Jesus in Mark's gospel. Our Lord's announcement of his passion and death leaves the disciples without words. In the meantime, what's going on? They, they argue who was the most important among them. We saw a very similar pattern, did we not, in last week's gospel. A prediction, a misunderstanding, an instruction into the nature of discipleship. And like the other predictions, today's passage is followed by a series of sayings on discipleship. And so this evening, we're going to spend some time with that and certainly get into the heart of the challenge. Okay, there are three features here that can be identified. First, even after failure, the disciples are singled out for special instruction. Isn't that interesting, huh? Let us remember that the immediate preceding incident in this narrative is about the inability of the disciples to help the father and his son who was troubled with an unclean spirit. Remember, it was in the preceding verses, verses 14 to 29, where we have this narrative where the disciples decided not to intervene. And what did our Lord have to say to them? You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And isn't it fascinating, my friends? Here again, as he has done over 300 times, he asks a question. And in this case, a couple of questions, huh? Why? Because he wants to get his disciples thinking more critically about their role as disciples. And oh, by the way, does he give up on them? No. The weakness of the disciples has not diminished. His zeal, our Lord's zeal to prepare them for life in the kingdom of God. And are we not grateful for that? I was speaking earlier to that question. What should we be thinking about? What should we be thinking about? What should we be praying for? That God's love for us is equaled by our love for God. Well, Joe, that's impossible. That does not stop us from that overarching truth that God's desire for us should be matched by our desire for God. This is what we strive for. What does Christ say? Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as God loves you. Yes, there is always going to be a gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be. And we close that gap to the extent that we turn our gaze towards God. Mindful that Christ does not give up on us, right? He never stops. He's constantly knocking on our door. Okay. Now, second, the disciples find our Lord's message baffling. <laughs> Speaking of second, this really is the second time that Jesus predicts his destiny in Jerusalem. Yet the disciples fail to understand and are so intimidated 
that they will not even ask any questions. When Jesus asked them what they are arguing about on the road, they were so embarrassed they had nothing to say. They may not have understood much, but they knew enough that their argument was completely out of order. What's going on here? You know, when I am aware of what my children have been talking about, and they are silent because they are too embarrassed to tell me what they are talking about, for all of you folks who are parents out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even a little one can identify that maybe we probably shouldn't have been talking about this. And they're silent because they're too embarrassed to tell their dad what they were talking about. But it's necessary that I ask them what they were talking about, that they realize that I was aware of what they were talking about, right? This is what's going on in today's gospel. Our Lord looks over at them and, uh, what were you guys talking about anyways? And they fell silent. They were ashamed, huh? They were baffled and humiliated. But again, Jesus does not give up on them. Isn't that striking? It is so easy for us to give up on people when they fail to meet our expectations. But whatever side you find yourself on, the side of being silent or the side of maybe asking that question and being disappointed, the challenge <laughs> to you in that moment is what? Don't give up on that person because Jesus doesn't give up on you. Now, the third thing that happens to the disciples is that they do learn a profound lesson about what it means to be a servant. That is what it means to be great. Incidentally, in the Gospel of Mark, I find this interesting. When Mark uses the word servant in the Gospel, he is using the Greek diakonoi, which of course is where we get the word deacon. This word is first used of the waiters who served the water made wine at the wedding feast at Cana in John chapter 2, verses uh, 5 and 9. Matthew uses the word for the king's servants in the parable of the marriage feast. Elsewhere, we find St. Paul describing himself as a servant of the gospel, servant of the church, and servant of the new covenant in the spirit in 2 Corinthians 6 4. John uses it to speak about our Lord's adherents in general. They are his deacons, his servants, in chapter 12, verse 26. So as we talk about greatness this evening, let it be known, the vocation to be a deacon to the extent that that deacon is at the service of God is great indeed. We must pray for our deacons, those we know for sure, but the whole diaconate, that they might fulfill this great duty to serve. Now, in saying that, once again, our Lord is employing that unconventional wisdom that is so conventional to God, is He not? That wisdom itself is paradoxical. You know, we use that word paradox. What does that mean? If you were to go to the Greek, it literally translates as contrary to expectation. Huh? So what is paradoxical is contrary to expectation, therefore unconventional, right? We think that what is upside down should be turned right side up, and Christ says to us, what? No, what is right side up should be upside down. 
My dear friends, why else would he say that loss equals profit, poverty equals riches, death equals life? And this evening, to be last is to be first. Well, because the kingdom of God does not belong to the kingdom of man, and so long as man is left interpreting the kingdom of God according to man, he will not understand the kingdom of God. We are to put on God's lenses and begin to interpret the world in light of the Holy Spirit, that we might begin to see the paradoxical ways of God those ways that are unconventional, those ways that are contrary to our expectation, those ways that defines the world's ways. Okay, so here in this gospel, he is redefining the notion of greatness for the disciples. We have new categories that are being established for determining success and failure winning and losing, achievement and unfulfillment. And it is at this point that our Lord introduces the child into their midst, in particularly the child's lowly status, right? As one always under the authority of another and as one who is always in total obedience. You see, my friends, Jesus forges a new system of relationships to welcome the little child in his name. What does Jesus say? You welcome me. You welcome me, and you are welcoming no less than God himself. A deep bond of interpersonal communion is being established between the little child, Jesus, and God. The child an apt symbol for powerlessness and total reliance on others. Mark teaches us to welcome the powerless, certainly a theme throughout his gospel. Through the gesture that we find in this narrative, our Lord illustrates the qualities of the little child within each of us. Huh? In point of fact, Jesus possessed the child within in himself. And he expects nothing less than these childlike qualities from his disciples and, my dear friends, from you and I. And can we not say that the disciples become mirrors in which we see ourselves all too clearly? Their failures, their inability to understand, typify the patterns of future generations of disciples like us, who are also slow to understand the radical message of Jesus. And again, like back in that day, we are also to remember that Christ will never give up on us. You know, some years ago, I went on retreat, and the retreat master had asked me for the first day, really, to study the 12 apostles. He'd given me a handout, and so I prayed and studied about the apostles. And while unsure why, I followed through with the question and was ready for the next question to come. Well, what then was Saturday evening? And he asked me a simple question. How do you see yourself in these 12, good and bad? And it's interesting because I remember thinking that night, quite frankly, that if I'm ever going to be the Christian that God is calling me to be, after spending that time and studying the apostles, I need to count myself last. I can't put myself 
in front of other people the way I was up to that point, and certainly by the grace of God go I, but it was a revelation that day, that weekend, and something I uh, share with you now. All that being said, in preparation for this evening, I was spending some time with different reads, different commentaries, and as I usually do, I like to read Father Canto de Mesa, the Italian Franciscan, uh, famous author and preacher. He's uh, the preacher to the pontifical household, so what does that mean? Well, that means he's tasked with the duty of leading retreats for um, the Pope. And I just want to read some of what he had to say and just really reflect with it. He opens up with the verse from our reading. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Father Canto de Mesa then poses the all-important question. Does Jesus condemn with these words the desires to excel, to do great things in life, to give the best of oneself, and at once favor laziness and and a defeatist spirit? So thought the philosopher Nietzsche, who felt the need to combat Christianity fiercely, guilty in his opinion of having introduced into the world the cancer of humility and self-denial. In Nietzsche's writings, he opposes this evangelical value with the will to power, embodied by the superman, the man of great health, who wishes to raise and not abase himself. My dear friends, do we not see the superman complex today? Again, not in the sense of being a hero in its proper context, no, but avoiding being weak at all costs. Canto La Mesa continues, It might be that Christians sometimes have misinterpreted our Lord's thought and have given occasion to this misunderstanding, but this is surely not what the gospel wishes to tell us. In saying, if any would be first, he is telling us it is possible to want to be first. It is not prohibited. It is not a sin. With these words, not only does Jesus not prohibit the desire to be first, but he encourages it. He just reveals a new and different way to do so. Not at the cost of others, but in favor of others. He adds, in fact, he must be last of all and servant of all. And so what are the fruits of one or the other way of excelling, the Franciscan preacher asks. But the will to power leads to a situation in which one imposes oneself and the rest serve. One is happy if there can be happiness in it and the rest unhappy. Only one is victor. All the rest are vanquished. One dominates, the rest are dominated. Mm. Cantola Mesa continues his reflection as he engages the impact of Nietzsche upon Hitler's Nazi regime. But as Cantola Mesa reminds us, it is just not Nazism, but all the evils of humanity that stem from this root. I mean, what causes wars? In the gospel, Jesus gives us the answer. The desire for predominance, my friends. Predominance of one nation over another, of one race over another, of one party over the others, of one sex over the other, and so on and so forth. In service, instead, all benefit from the greatness of one. 
Whoever is great in service is great and makes others great. This is the whole point. Rather than raising oneself above others, the servant raises others with him. Have we not seen in the likes of a Mother Teresa, or maybe drawing from the secular arena, in a presidential figure like Abraham Lincoln, what a heart who is inclined to serve can do for those around them, how it can have an exponential impact? Hmm? What happens when you throw a rock into water? It creates that ripple effect. When we serve in the name of Jesus Christ, it has a ripple effect. And this is why the likes of a Mother Teresa and even Abraham Lincoln are so well respected. Mm. Uh, returning here to Father Cantalamesis' reflection, he makes an additional point here, one that I uh, appreciate, and he does so by asking a question. What are we to think of antagonism in sports and competition in business? Are these things also condemned by Christ's words? Father Cantalamesis says, no. When they are contained within the limits of good sportsmanship and good business, these things are good. These things are good, my friends. They serve to increase the level of physical capability. And they foster a healthy supply and demand. Indirectly, if not directly, they serve the common good. <laughs> Father Cantal de Mesa concludes, Jesus' invitation to be the last certainly doesn't apply to cycling or Formula One races. Okay, what's his point here? We are to strive to be the best at whatever it is we do. But when we do whatever it is that we do, we root it in the heart of a servant. I don't know about you, but I know a number of people who are leaders, CEOs of a business, or maybe a principal. And I have to say, those who lead with a heart for service have this kind of magnetic quality about them. People want to be around them. To serve is a rallying cry. To serve is to be set apart. You see, my friends, the problem in many circles today is that there are a lot of people telling us to blend in. Huh? No, we are called to be set apart. Oh, by the way, that is what the word holiness means, to be set apart. We are set apart in a culture of death, in a culture where there's an absence of love when we love, you see, when we love. St. John Paul II once said that we are not to settle for mediocrity, but rather cast into the deep and become fishers of men. What is he saying? When we strive to be the best that God is calling us to be, and we overcome our fears, God will invade our souls. And it is then that we, we will become an instrument of peace. We just have to remember, my friends, our lives do not belong to us, but to God the Father who has called us and who sends us. What does Paul say? It is no longer I living, but Christ who lives in me. We are only free to the extent that we understand freedom is not a license to do whatever we want to do, but a gift to do what we ought to do. 
in light of our creator, yes, but that creator who is Father, who calls us sons and daughters, who calls us to his bosom. Amen to that. My dear friends, just by way of close, I was asked the question, Joe, I'm a very ambitious person, and I want to achieve great things, but I do feel like my pride gets in the way. Well, how are we to overcome this? Our ambitions should never be without celebrating the success of those around us. We cannot be in the mindset of saying, well, I cannot be great until he fails because I cannot be number one until he's number two. No. Let someone else's successes inspire you to do great things. Realizing that only true greatness comes from within and with the help of the Holy Spirit who makes all things great. If you are doing what God is asking you to do with a servant's heart, going out of your way to be the best at what you do, and you root it in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God will surprise you every step of the way. Because, my dear friends, we see things and we see them in a very temporal context. God sees bigger picture. And when we step into God, He reveals bigger picture. And oh, is that not the beginning of the great adventure? The adventure of saying yes to Jesus Christ each and every day. The adventure of being ambitious, ambitious with the heart of a servant. Amen. Before we close in prayer, I do just want to really encourage all of you out there, both local and abroad, to really pray for this upcoming visit of Pope Francis. Pray for the world meeting of families in Philadelphia. These all important days, weeks, and months where we really need to invoke the Holy Spirit really call upon God to intervene so that God would do great things here in the United States of America. Okay, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.